This podcast is brought to you by EverythingVoluntary.com. My name is Skylar Collins, and this is Thinking and Doing. In this podcast, I examine logical fallacies, cognitive biases, stoic teachings from masters past and present, and tips on being better at life. I hope it will be as instructive to you as it is to me in the pursuit of thinking and doing well. Be sure to check out and subscribe to my flagship podcast, Everything Voluntary, where I seek to promote respect for the voluntary principle in all walks of life and for all age groups. Hello and welcome to the podcast. We're going to look at some life pro tips in this episode. All right, here's the first one. One of the worst pieces of advice you'll ever hear is never give up. Irrespective of how much time, money, and effort you've already expended, if something just isn't working out, shut it down, write it off, and start again. In time, you'll get better at identifying your failures faster. Loss aversion is a thief. Quitting is just trying something new. Okay, this one is talking about what uh, behavioral economists have called the sunk cost fallacy. And I just want to read something small here from behavioraleconomics.com. It says, individuals commit the sunk cost fallacy when they continue a behavior or endeavor as a result of previously invested resources, such as time, money, or effort. This fallacy, which is related to loss aversion and status quo bias, can also be viewed as bias resulting from ongoing commitment. For example, individuals sometimes order too much food and then overeat just to get their money's worth. Similarly, a person may have a $20 ticket to a concert and then drive for hours through a blizzard just because she feels that she has to attend due to having made the initial investment. If the costs outweigh the benefits, the extra costs incurred, such as inconvenience, uh, more time and more money, are held in a different mental account than the one associated with the ticket transaction. Research suggests that rats, mice, and humans are all sensitive to sunk costs after they've made the decision to pursue a reward. This is something that I run into all the time um, at my job. My job, I deliver food. And oftentimes, usually, um, I show up at a restaurant to pick up some food, and it's either ready for me, or I have to wait a few minutes to get to get a, a worker's attention to get it for me. Or I've got to wait no more than five minutes for it to be finished. However, sometimes that five minutes turns into ten and that 10 can turn into 15 to 20 to 25. I've sometimes waited 45 minutes for food. Now, in that case, I only waited because the payout was, you know, it was over 30 or 40 bucks. And so considering in the, in the, in the context of my goal of making 30, 35 an hour, I was okay. However, there are times where when I, 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 I'm standing there after 10 minutes and I'm thinking, okay, this, this food could be here any minute now. I've already put in 10 minutes. This is, you know, there's an $8 payout or a $10 payout or something. Either I keep waiting and keep getting disappointed, or I just leave and consider it sunk cost. Consider it a loss and move on. And I've done it both ways. And I will say that I, I feel better about 
the next thing when I've just cut line and bailed, right? I consider, look, I've been here 10 minutes, 15 minutes. If I leave, I'm not going to get paid anything, but I don't know how much longer I'm going to be waiting and it's going to start eating into my, my hourly goal. So a lot of that depends on how much the expected payout is. Like I said, if it's, you know, if it's a big one, what we call a unicorn in the biz, then I'll wait a little longer for it. But if it's not, at some point I have to cut my losses and move on. And I think that's true for anything. And this this is especially important, I think, for for us to teach our kids. Right? There's this there's this this idea that comes from who knows when about how we shouldn't let our kids quit things, right? When they become difficult or they just lose interest in them and so on and so forth. And I do not like that advice. I think that we should teach kids about sunk cost. We should teach them to value their time and their effort to such a degree that if something is wasting it, that they cut line and bail. And if it helps, don't think of it as quitting. Just think of it as moving on to something new. Okay. And there's there's something to learn from that, right? You learn about what you're into. You learn about what you're willing to tolerate, what you're interested in. But you also learn that when when something isn't working out, it's not serving you the way you expected it to, that you don't have to remain loyal to it for the sake of what? <laughs> for the sake of some old timer's own commitment to these things, whether it's a parent or a grandparent or whatever. All right, let's uh let's go on to the next one. That that last one was by user M77W. I'll link I'll link to these because there's often conversation. This one's by Glitterbug8472. They write, be kind to people seeking to increase their awareness of the world around them. Things that are obvious to you may not be so to others. Curiosity and wanting to learn more at any level should be nurtured and encouraged. I really like this one. Um, And as a father, this is something that hits me almost every day. One of my kids asked me a question about something and we talk about it. <laughs> I will mention that there's this annoying thing that my my oldest, who's just turned 15, when my middle child, my daughter, she's she's uh, 11 now, she'll ask something, seem, seemingly a, a dumb question, right? A quote-unquote dumb question about how something works or whatnot. And my 15-year-old, because he's a boy, will go into ball bust mode <laughs> and tease her for asking such a such a dumb question, that sort of thing. And I've got to remind him, look, you've only known this thing for five minutes, so you can't act like somebody else who doesn't know it is dumb for not knowing it, <laughs> right? And that's, that's, that's sometimes how we think in our minds. We'll think, oh my God, how can this person not know this thing? What an idiot, right? We sh- but we should never, and here I am shooting on you, we should never say that out loud. Instead, we can ask that we can clarify are you asking me about this, 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 and this? You don't know these things? And try not to do it in like a sarcastic way to make them feel bad because then they're gonna, they're just not going to ask questions anymore. And that doesn't serve anybody. It doesn't serve them. If you make them feel like an idiot for not knowing, they're going to stop asking questions and that doesn't help. And if you're the one making them feel like an idiot, they're going to stop asking you specifically and that doesn't help. That doesn't help. That doesn't help you. And let me explain why. And really, this, this, is, this is one of the reasons I podcast. Because me talking about these things helps me better understand them. Okay, hearing these things come out of my mouth and back in through my ears 
forces me to listen to what I'm saying in a way that that helps me um, hear whether or not I'm you know making any errors myself or if I sound stupid. Okay, sometimes if we're just rolling it around in our minds, it, it can be wrong. And then when you, once you say it out loud, it's like, okay, I, I see where I see where that's wrong or I see why that's dumb, right? So taking what you know, at least to the level that you know it, and pushing it back out there is beneficial for you. And it can also turn you into this person who this other person um, looks to and looks up to and trusts and sees you as somebody that knows some things, but is also humble in light of not knowing other things. So when my kids ask me questions about stuff, I'll say, oh, this, this is how I believe it works or blah, 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 whatever. But I'll also, there's also plenty of times where I'll say, you know, I'm not really sure about that. Let's figure it out together. And then we'll Google it and we'll read it together. Or I'll Google it on my phone and read it out and then we'll, we'll clarify. We'll do that together. So I like this. I think it's important to, to be kind. I mean, if it's somebody close to you, maybe you can, you can tease a little bit and that's okay. But then, you know, get down to business and figure it out. That way you can grow together, right? There's, there's, a, there's a bond that can be built, can be, can be built and maintained uh, through that process. That can also be very valuable uh, now, of course, and, and in the future. All right, let's go to the next one. This is by Brianna Bethesda. It's the username. I don't know. It could be a real name. Possibly. My my name on Reddit is just Skylar Collins. I don't I don't use usernames anywhere. I just use my real name. Okay, she writes, work life is only one area of your life. Don't forget to nurture and grow other aspects of your life. This includes, but is not limited to friendships, relationships, hobbies, physical and emotional health. This is really good, and you you see this sort of life pro tip come through this subreddit all the time about the benefits of you know not not answering work emails outside of work, right? If you get in that habit, then people expect it, and you become you become a cog in the machine at home as much as you are at work, and that that can have negative effects on other areas of your life. Not to mention, it can cause stress and, and, and at some point possibly wear you out to, to, you know, enjoying the work that you do. So I used to, and this, this isn't so much an issue anymore with the type of work that I'm in now, but when I did have an office job, when I'd get home, I'd pull my car into the garage and then I'd sit there for a few minutes, just sort of breathing and sort of preparing. This is when my kids were a lot smaller. I still have a my youngest is small. She's five. But when my older ones were, were younger and smaller, house the house was a bit more chaotic then. It has its moments now, no doubt. But back then, we, you know, it was all pretty new. And I'd have to prepare myself. I'd have to say, okay, I'm home. I'm going to walk into the house. It might be a disaster area. Probably not. My wife's pretty good at that stuff. But my kids are going to want my attention. They're going to want to jump on me. And I've got to, I've got to be in that mindset. If I walk in and I'm grumpy and I'm stressed out and blah, 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 I just got home from work, then that's going to turn them off. And at some point they're going to stop, you know, they're going to stop running up to me. And then I'm probably going to regret that. So I would take a few minutes to leave work in a sense, mentally, you know, and the car ride home helps in that regard as well. And then to prepare for, for what I was about to walk into. So that's one aspect of this, of what, what's being talked about here, right? Switching between areas of your life. And we do that so that we can make the most out of these other things, right? When we're at work, we're in work mode. And that's why now that I'm doing gig work, when I go into work mode, I put on a red visor. 
Okay. I'm wearing a red visor. And because I do that consistently when I'm working, that's my, my uniform, uniform, as it were. And that puts me in work mode right now. I'm on duty and this is where my mental focus is. And then when I'm turning it all off and I'm done for my shift and I'm on my way home, I take my hat off and now I'm not on duty. I'm not at work. That's behind me. And now I go on to the next thing, whether it's stopping to get groceries or just coming home and having dinner or lunch or whatever. But I, I do like the, the other part of this. Uh, don't forget to nurture and grow other aspects of your life. Okay, relationships, especially as a father of three, can be very rewarding and valuable. And they happen. So taking the time when my kids want my attention and giving it to them and having those special moments has become very important to me. And of course, there are times or days where I'm not feeling well and, you know, there's less of that. But other times, I would say normally, um, I take the time to indulge in those things. And that has that added benefit, not only for me and my own, you know, serotonin or whatever, having that, that human contact, that love-based and affection-based human contact with my kids and my wife, but also it's beneficial for them. It's beneficial for our relationship and our bond. Uh, personal hobbies, right? For me, that right now, the only personal hobby I have is podcasting. So I'm taking time every single morning of every day, usually to sit down and record 20, 30, 40 minutes of either this podcast or my other one. And, and now what I'm doing is I've just switched it to where I'm going to go two episodes there, one episode here. That way I'm, I'm putting out this one a little more often than I was. Instead of every four or five days, it should be every three days. That way I can, I can diversify what, what I'm focused on, right? Because the podcasts are about different things and they serve different purposes. And I don't want to just solely be talking about you know, politics and economics all the time and, and neglect the things that I talk about in this podcast, right? The thinking and the, the life pro tips and the stoicism and all that stuff. That's also important to me. What about physical health and emotional health? Those are important. I move around for work. I'm in and out of my car. I'm walking around. But I could do a lot more and I probably, quote, should do, right? I don't really exercise. I don't lift weights. I used to a little bit more. I kind of had a little bit of a routine in the morning and I, I dropped that. I don't remember why I got sick or something and I never resumed. I don't run or anything. And, and I don't know what's going on with, with my throat and my chest. I don't know if it's asthma or what, but sometimes, especially when I'm recording and I'm talking a lot, I have shortness of breath and I've got to pause and I've got to breathe in and I've got to get over that. And sometimes when I'm talking, I'll breathe in and it kind of sounds like a wheeze. This is probably just conditioning because I'm not running and I'm not really engaged in heavy physical activity, right? I'm neglecting that right now. And I, I think about it a lot. I try to get my mind to the point where I want to start engaging in this again. So we'll, we'll see. We'll see if that happens. But it's important. Look around at the different areas of your life, figure out what you're neglecting and what you're missing out on by neglecting that. Because you don't, you don't want, you probably don't want to be neglecting the the really important things or what should be should here I go shooting again uh, the important things such as the relationships with your wife and your kids and your your hobbies and un, you know getting away from work all right let's go on to the the last one or the next one this is by user skydiving human if you can't change the people around you then change the people around you I really like the way they wrote that it was clever. 
It says life is simply too short to have your orbit filled with people who don't support you or your dreams. There's a huge world out there. Never be afraid to find a new crew. And this is, uh, you know, the idea that we, we, our sphere of control only goes so far. We can't change other people. We certainly can't or shouldn't <laughs> in, in many ways can without serious negative consequences uh, force other people to change. Okay, we can try to have thoughtful conversations with them where we can get out our needs and where, you know, where we feel maybe things aren't measuring up. You know, there's obviously there's a way to do that where you're not being offensive and you're probably, you know, hopefully you're not damaging relationships or anything like that. But, you know, there is there is a way to communicate things. You know, I don't I don't think I've talked about it in, in this, but something that I've studied on and off is called nonviolent communication. So go to Google and search nonviolent communication by Marshall Rosenberg, and you'll find a trove of resources on ways of communicating in such a way that you're not doing damage to relationships, but you're also conveying your needs to other people. And you're doing it in such a way that doesn't produce blame or shame or any of that stuff. Anyway, you know, that, that might be helpful and that might work out. But there are some people that are just so set in their ways that they're never going to change or seemingly never going to change without some, some serious, something, you know, serious and significant happening. And if they're not serving you, if they are a, not just aren't serving you, but if they're negatively serving you, if they are some kind of a drain on you, then you don't need that. You really don't need that, especially if they're friends or supposedly friends. Okay, you can get away from that. And for your own sake, you probably should. With family, it's a little bit harder. Studying and utilizing nonviolent communication may be very helpful for that. Sometimes, however, um, a relationship, especially a familial relationship, because of, because of the nature, because of the expectations that the relationship will always be there, they can become incredibly toxic. And if that's the case, and there's really, you know, you've, you've tried, you've done everything you can to repair and to fix and to detoxify as it is without any progress, then personally, I wouldn't feel bad and you shouldn't feel bad about ending that relationship, okay? Because you don't need that. If it's not serving you and if it's a drain on your life, then your life's going to be better without it, right? And you might be hung up, you might be stuck on some great moments you've had, some great times, some great memories, and you may be nostalgic in different ways about interactions or, or moments you've had with that person. But don't let that, don't let that stick you to a toxic relationship. It's, it's truly not worth it. And you will be doing yourself a big favor by ending that relationship and moving on. I'm not saying that's going to be easy. I'm not saying that it may not take finesse Right, but there's there are ways that you can start to distance yourself from it that you might you might take to Google or whatever and or DuckDuckGo or whatever you search and just search, you know, how do I how do I how do I get rid of a toxic relationship? What are some some tips? What are some things that I can do? And you'll probably find some good advice. Or you can go to Reddit. I'm sure there's subreddits that you can ask these questions and get some good advice. All right, that's that's going to do it as far as um, the official Life Pro tips I wanted to share. I did want to share one more that I thought was kind of interesting. This this is 
This is timely. Today is November 3rd, 2020, and in the United States, it's Election Day. And this is an especially contentious election season. And with every election season, there's always all of these messages by by governments and businesses and people to go out and vote. And I always thought that this was kind of really, really foolish advice to just to just put out there. And the reason it's foolish is because if you want your person to win, then you probably shouldn't influence or convince people who support your opposition to go out there and vote, right? You should probably convince them that their guy's probably going to win. They don't need to waste their time going out and voting. They should just stay home. And then you and you know your allies go out and vote and you get the win. So I always thought it was foolish. I always thought it was kind of dumb these broad campaigns for everybody to go vote. I don't I don't I don't understand why somebody would tell their opposition to go vote. That doesn't make a lot of sense. So if somebody comes up to me and says you should go vote, I should say, "Oh, who who are you voting for?" And they'll say, "Oh, I'm voting for Donald Trump." And I'll say, "Oh, well, if I vote, I'm going to vote for Biden. Do you still want me to vote?" And then maybe they'll think twice. "Oh, well, well maybe not." All right, just a dumb little thing I thought was timely and I thought I would mention, but that that's going to do it for this episode. Thank you so much for listening and have a better day. Please send your comments or questions to thinkinganddoingpodcast at gmail.com. Will you do me a big favor? Will you rate and review this podcast wherever you're listening from? That really helps. And one more thing, please share the podcast with your friends.